It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 168, presented by CLNS Media and sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel. My name is Connor Ryan, and today we have a very special guest, 98.5 The Sports Hubs, Ty Anderson. I would say if you follow the Bruins, you should follow Ty, but if you haven't already, what, what the hell are you doing? Uh, <laughs> what, what are you doing out there? Ty, thank you for coming on, hopefully the first of many this season. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is great. I've always watched... Uh, these podcasts and, l- and listen to them with great envy. Uh, it's like the Squidward meme of watching Patrick and SpongeBob have fun. It's kind of what it's like. So it's, it's nice to be part of it. Uh, I don't know where Evan is, but uh, that's all right. He does. He's too cool for us, I guess. Apparently. Well, I, I'm worried. I don't know if this is like a secured channel and I don't want him jumping on <laughs> midway through or anything like that. So we have to keep our heads on a swivel that way, but uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for that. But as we await Evan to crash this podcast, um, obviously plenty to talk about uh, this episode. It's going to drop. Wednesday morning, we got the Bruins season opener that night against Chicago. Um, so I guess just starting off, we'll probably hit on just the, the news of the day, I guess, from uh, from Tuesday's practice. A lot of just, you know, the roster's set right now. We're just kind of waiting for kind of the final uh, domino to fall, I guess, is just kind of Dan Heinen's situation. And it seems like from what Jim Montgomery says, it's kind of like that Strawman kind of no man's land situation where I think they're just trying to make make things work out there. Yeah, it feels that way, right? I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Strawman situation. Also reminds me of the Lee Stempniak situation back in 2018-19 where he was hanging around for basically months, right? I don't think it's going to be as long here, but it really feels like he might be waiting until they figure out what's going on with Matthew Matthew Patra because think about that. If Patra's not here, you're going to have a need in your top nine somewhere, and who better than Danton Heinen, a guy who can play left wing, right wing, can play first line, can play third line, doesn't hurt your any one line he's on. You know, at, at the very worst, he's sort of just a, you know, he's, a, he's a, 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 an even player, right? So I think that's what they're waiting on. And also, this is part of like the new NHL, right, is that you've got to accrue your daily cap space and your, make sure you have all your, your boxes checked here, you know, before you sign a guy to, to even a league minimum contract. So... It feels like it's just sort of a waiting game, I feel. Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, where you look at, uh, as much as I think uh, Danton Heinen draws the ire, I think, of uh, Bruins Twitter quite a bit, I think he's been replaced, I think, over the last week by Patrick Brown through absolutely no fault of his own. Like, I think people are really excited for Johnny Beecher, but if Patrick Brown, for either right now or if 
Jaden Hyman doesn't come to terms to a deal, whatever. Like Patrick Brown is a more than suitable either 13th forward or a guy that can step in if Beecher's not there. Like I don't know why people are really maligning him. Did he have the best preseason? No, but he can bring value for what you're asking for out of that role. Yeah, it all depends where he's slotted, right? I mean, it, you know, it's similar to, you know, Joachim Nordstrom. Nobody had a problem with him until he was playing second line minutes. And you're like, wait a minute, what, what's going on here now? Now that might be a little bit too much of an ask for him. You know, so I, I always feel that hockey fans in general, I think especially Bruins fans to a certain degree, they hate their third liners for not being top sixers. And they hate their third liners when they're not physical. So that really screws a guy like Danton Heinen, who plays just a smart game, you know, an efficient game. It's not going to be flashy. He's going to be in the right spots most of the time. I actually think he's been very good defensively uh, this preseason. And, I, and I, I truly think if you're not watching camp with your 2019-20 season blinders on, because let's be honest, Heinen was not good. That 2019-20 year, I think his game kind of bottomed out. He wasn't developing. He wasn't. He had no confidence, I thought, as a player. Uh, he's been a lot better. He's been he's been really good, I think, in training camp and in the preseason. So, by all measurements, he's earned a spot. And, you know, with Patrick Brown, it's like, you, you know, we're, we're crushing this guy because we want to see Johnny Beecher. That's not really fair to Patrick Brown. You know, right. this guy signed a two-year deal. He, he can be a good fourth liner. He has some good face-off numbers. So, this is sort of the problem, being a bottom of the roster guy, is that people are going to hate you because you're not a top of the roster guy. But, you know, that's kind of how it is, I think. You know, they need players like a Brown, like a Heinen. We all knew what this year was going to be, right? So you need cheap guys who can get the job done. And I think, depending on the roles, those two guys check that box. Yeah, Patrick Brown's like the 50-cent meme, like walking in like, you play me, what are you playing me for? For like literally <laughs> nothing, out of his, uh, nothing out of his own doing. Like it, it's a tough break for him. But. Yeah, and I, and I actually talked to him today uh, after Tuesday's practice, and you know, I, I basically said to him, hey, what have these last few days been like for you? And, and he said, it's nerve-wracking. He said, I signed a two-year deal. I want to be here. I want to be a Bruin. Uh, he goes, but you don't know. And he's not – this isn't something that's totally new to him. He got put on waivers by the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Philadelphia Flyers claimed him. So he, he's used to the process. But he admitted that he was a little – you know, it was a little nerve-wracking. But, you know, talking to him, I said, what, what's next for you? And he says, one day at a time, work as hard as I can. And if you're a Bruins fan and you can't get behind that kind of mindset, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you because that's the kind of mindset you want. I think especially for a fourth liner is I'm just going to work even harder. Like – you got to hear that. And I think that's good to, to, that, you know, that's his mindset, not sulking saying I signed a two year deal and I'm on waivers. Yeah, absolutely. And now when you look at, you know, the, the main storyline, I guess, from this preseason or what I think maybe fans are most excited about kind of the flip, you know, the opposite side of the coin of guys like Patrick Brown or what have you, it's kind of the youth movement that's come in. And obviously we'll talk about Matthew Potra, obviously Beecher makes it over uh, Patrick Brown right now, but I think leaving off with probably the one roster move that I think has rankled some Bruins fans Mason Laura going down to Providence. Again, I think we both have mapped this out quite a bit. And I asked Montgomery today, like, what's the message? And he kind of more or less summed it up, right? Like, listen, Mason Laura had a really strong camp. I think a lot of people were going into camp thinking this is a guy that needed a year down there. Like, with that skill set, a guy that only recently transitioned to, to defense, needed a full year down there. I think he's kind of accelerated that timeline a little bit. Like, he's, he's done a really good job. But listen, like – the guy needs to go down to Providence and play 25 minutes a night. And more, more importantly, you look at his skill set, he needs top power play minutes. Like, even if you wanted to make the case that this is a guy that, oh, you could slot up with McAvoy, you put him with Kyle, you push aside an established decor just to accommodate him, 
he ain't touching power play time. Like he needs to go down there and, and get those reps. 100%. And also, you know, I, I want to see him play PK and he's not going to play PK in Boston. He's not yeah. going to log minutes over Forbert for as much as, you know, Twitter and the online community wants it to happen. It's not happening. And same, he's not going to bump out Lindholm, uh, you know, for second power, second penalty killing minutes for that matter. So, yeah, this is the perfect spot. Right. And and I think there's too many. I think there are too many people out there who look at Providence as like a death sentence where it's yeah. like, oh, he's going down there like he could very well be back up here in January. Like if he forces their hand, he will be up here before the all-star break. If he's down in Providence logging 25 to 30 minutes a night, and he's a point per game guy, he's a plus 15. Providence is a better team with him on the ice than they are without him. You know, like they're going to notice that. And they're going to say, we need to make, we need to make space for him. And, you know, Connor, I think that honestly, like they look at him as a top four defenseman. Like mm-hmm. he needs to play top four for them. If, if, if he's going to be on the NHL roster, they want him either with McAvoy or with Brandon Carlo. And so maybe they don't want to do that out of the gate. And I don't think that's a bad idea because this is a player that I believe might be the most important piece of their future. If you have a, a, a six foot four left shot D who can get it done at both ends of the ice and in all situations, that is going to save you about $7 million on the free agent market. You're not going to have to go out and get a Noah Hannafin or, you know, right. whoever else is going to hit the market soon. Like, that changes the narrative for this team and sort of their window and, and what they have. So he's too important to screw up. Like right. you, you can't feed him to the wolves. If he's not ready, he has no points. He's a minus six. And then you send him to Providence and you're rebuilding his confidence. You can't have that. So right. I, I like what they're doing here, but I think to your point, people got to stop looking at it. Like it's a finality, like, like, Oh, he's not going to be back until April. No, if he's playing well enough, they're going to make room for him. Yeah, and it, I mean, Don Sweeney more or less mapped that out. I think he was talking about Patra, but it's the same thing. Of uh, A pretty good player on this Bruins roster is David Pasternak, who really showed a lot of flashes that first year, could send down to Providence, played 25 games there, and was great. And you know what? He, he needed those reps, right? Like, this is the same thing where, as much as I think people are looking at, like, the finality of, like, the Patra situation, where it's like you got nine games or you're back in the OHL, like, there's a lot more fluidity there with, with Laura and what he can bring. And I think it's important for him to get those reps. And as you said, like, this is a guy that you don't want to put in a bad spot. Cause I mean, you look at that skill set, And again, I think the encouraging thing is that he's really taken steps forward. I think even from the first preseason game, I think it's like the second one, he had that really clean breakout by himself. Like that last game he was playing with Kahlo and they really only had, he was like 25 ozone start time. They were like a shutdown pairing out there. Like you're seeing him, learn on the fly and be a really impactful player. But this is a guy that, as you said, his floor is what, like a, a third pairing power play ace and his ceiling is what, like a Hannafin, a John Carlson, like a six floor playmaker. Like that's not a guy that, that you rush along, especially when you have that luxury. We look at the way this team is built. And I, again, people can talk about Fulbert, Shattenkirk, whereas like the usual guys we're, we're going to hear about a lot, especially if someone blows coverage, lets up a goal early on this season you still have a very established decor that was the best in the league last year. Like it's not an area you need to rush guys in. It's not like Quattro and Beecher when there's a huge vacancy down the middle, let him marinate, let him work on his game. And again, as you said, he could be up here in January. And I didn't think that was going to be the case going into the season. He's really accelerated that timeline. So uh, time will tell with him. It's huge. I mean, think about that. Like the fact that we're even sitting here talking about this, that January, December, February, wherever it is, like, I, if you told me that six months ago, I'd say you're crazy because yeah. he was just so raw and he is so raw. 
there are things he needs to work on. And I think what's going to really help him is that the AHL is really physical. You have guys who are fighting tooth and nail to try and get a call up. They are doing everything they can to instill anxiety in their opponents. And think about it. Think about the first guy called up is, is a fourth line four checker who can put defensemen on their heels. He's going to experience that shift after shift after shift in the minors. He's going to play a lot of minutes in a very condensed time frame. I think it's the perfect acceleration. It's the perfect way to get him sort of on that fast track that we're talking about to getting a call up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And as Lori heads down to Providence, we look at probably the most intriguing guy, the guy who's kind of been sealing all the headlines from preseason play, Matthew Potra, who again has gone from long shot candidate, a guy that had potential, had a really good year in the OHL to all of a sudden be a guy that I think Bruins fans are full steam head there. We got like the pothead contingent here of all <laughs> saying he's ready to roll in and entrench himself in the lineup. I mean, it, I think everyone going into this preseason, even when he had a, a really strong game or two, was preaching caution, right? This is a guy that's still 19 years old, uh, you know, only played two full seasons of the OHL because that's first year got wiped out because of COVID, um, you know, has that, that poise but needs to work on his game. At this point, it feels like those expectations are out the door, right? This is a guy that we want to see how he is over these nine games, but the potential is there. And every time the Bruins have thrown up a, a challenge for him, He's responded. Like even that back-to-back -back slate, really tired legs early on in that game, and then scores like a highlight real goal. Like every time they've thrown something at him, he, he's made the most of it. 100%. And it's been really interesting to kind of watch it develop, right? Because I thought that he had that strong start against the Rangers, and I said, it's a shame he's going to go back to juniors, right? We're yeah. not going to see him again. And then he goes back out there against Philly, and I thought Philly had a concerted effort to try to – really physically intimidate him and get him yeah. off his game. He took a lot of heavy hits, a lot of strong battles in the corner there. And then in Washington or against Washington, rather, there was a sequence uh, where Tom Wilson gave him a little kind of whack, you know, to, to, mm -hmm. to uh, the lower back. And I was like, that's a test for a 19 year old, you know, who was five eleven and 170 something pounds. Like, you, you know, you don't back down, you keep coming, right. You keep coming, you keep attacking the net. So they got something here. I, I, re I really do believe that. And I was talking to a few players yesterday and basically they believe the hype too. They said that, that he's got a tenacity to him and a compete. That's really impressive for a player, you know, with his lack of experience, the fact that he is willing to go into those hard areas with reckless abandon, you know, that that's a very, um, you can't really teach that. Like that is yeah. a, that is a trait that you have internally. And, and he has that. And, you know, we've re we've referenced this before, but we go back to when they drafted him in 2022. Uh, he mentioned Anthony Sorelli, Braden Point, two guys that yeah. he really modeled his game after. And I think you can see some of those. You can see some of those guys like and they and their compete and the way they battle, especially for those grimy areas, those gross goals, while also having some pretty finishing kind of skills. I think we're seeing a bit of that. It's just can he do it against men? Like a, a full lineup of men, right? <laughs> right? Like he's yeah. had, he's had, a, he's gone against six to eight, you know, nine, ten. But this is going to be an eighteen. You know, Chicago's a good test for him. I, I will say that. Yeah, but like exactly. Overall, you're gonna you're gonna see some some big defenses over over this nine game run here. Yeah, absolutely. It's something where you try not to get too caught up in it because I almost think that my expectations I'm setting from where I think it's increased every time where I've gone from like. Uh, you know, he needs another year to uh, maybe he gets a nine game uh, run to all of a sudden like this guy could stick around the whole year. I don't know if I'm just telling myself that because I think you run like the scenarios of if this guy can stick in the lineup and all of a sudden he can prove that he can play higher up in there. 
all of a sudden it's going to be the same thing with like not comparing him to Bergeron and Krejci, obviously, but when those guys came back, right. the domino effect of guys slotting into uh, roles maybe best suited to them. Like, I don't know if I'm getting caught up in that when I look at his play, but I don't know. Like, I, I'm all on board with him sticking around for nine games. Uh, again, we'll see how it works out, but the potential is there. And again, if he can if he can hit and can prove himself, not to say this guy's challenging for the Calder or he's going to put up a 60-point season, but if he can prove he can belong, you got right. something there. And all of a sudden, when you go into this offseason, you got a whole bunch of cap space available. You got a guy like him next to a, a Zaka. You have Coyle at 3C or what have you. You're all of a sudden in pretty good shape when you look at all the other guys you have signed. Yeah, absolutely. And that's co- sort of what they need. Like, they, like we've been talking about this for years, right, is that they are desperate for somebody, anybody, to pop, right? Like, it, it's been a little bit since you've had a, a true prospect that's popped into a premier role. Right. Probably Jeremy Swayman, right, would be the last one, I would say, where where he was just so ahead of his schedule, where he was at Maine and a year later he's in the NHL and he's shutting out the New York Islanders, you know, in late season action 2021. You know, so so he really is such an an important piece. And I think what's going to be interesting and maybe a little bit challenging for both Patra and Bruins fans with their patience is that I think they're going to use these nine games to move him all around. I don't think you're going to see nine games of him between Frederick and Geeky. I think you're going to see him move all around. They view him as a center, not a wing. So, so at least we know he's going to stick there, but he might bounce all around their roster because this is basically an extension of his preseason where they're going to explore. They're going to find out what he can do, what he can't do. I'm just hoping Connor, we get one prolonged, relatively speaking, look at him between Martian and DeBrus, because I think that could be really exciting. Absolutely. It's a very funny time for all the talk about the Bruins having the worst prospect uh, system <laughs> by, by and large. Yeah. I don't, meanwhile, yeah, like Toronto's got friggin' Babu Frick playing in the KHL <laughs> and he's, he's a future 40 goal scorer, but he's a Bruins five foot three defenseman and he's been yes. tearing it up in Kazakhstan. You're like, yes, what, it, what do you exactly. Mean? <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. You look at just like those guys and it, it, we, again, you can look at Swayman, even like if a guy like Beecher hits as a very solid fourth line guy, like they're bringing up, NHL level talent. You can put talent however you want it, but maybe the Bruins prospect pool isn't quite as bad as we all uh, as we all thought. But as we kind of look ahead now to more of the big picture stuff, before we get into that, let's uh, listen to a word from our sponsors at FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. That's two hundred dollars in bonus bets win or lose. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. And frankly, that's the best part about FanDuel is that you can bet on anything. You want to bet on how many touchdowns Mac Jones is going to throw this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many wins the Bruins are going to have in 2023-24. Go for it. You can really do it all. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Mass. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-4700. 
5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And shout out to our good friends over at FanDuel. I don't know Utah and putting down money. I think this is the year Babu Frick breaks out. <laughs> it's it's going to be – this is the year we've been waiting. He's his, actually his Calder odds are fantastic. He's actually 39 years old, but it's fine. <laughs> if, Panarin, if Panarin can win the Calder, this is Babu Frick's time. And so people, so people are saying. I'm not, I'm not saying it, but people are people on the web. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those things, man, where, where we can't bet on it, although we know the favorites because of our status. We, we vote on these things. That's so weird. Yes, that exactly. Somebody asked me if I was going to do a post on it. Uh, Kevin Majori, who writes, who works for 98.5, he was like, hey, I want to write up a, an, an NHL awards prediction post. Can you do that? I was like, actually, I can't do that. I'm not allowed. Yes. I'm like, all yes, yours, exactly. man. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Godspeed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so as we kind of look at uh, the season ahead, looking more at the big picture, I think before we go into kind of like summing up what what our expectations are for this Bruins team, I'm looking at maybe more inward of how the Bruins are approaching this year and what they think they have in this roster and how they kind of tweak things around. Because I think you look at last year and the expectations were uh, pretty low for that team, even with Bergeron and Krejci back. But I think you looked at how they kind of envisioned it playing out where you just have the return of Bergeron and Krejci, the amount of depth present there, the amount of guys that I think you looked at that roster last year that had more to give, whether it's DeBrusque, Frederick, uh, you know, Lindholm with a full year where you could bring in that spot. Um, and that amount of depth was going to carry that team through. When you look at this current team, like how do you, what do you kind of envision how they're approaching this year? Because obviously they still have aspirations of being a very competitive team. Yeah, I, I think that stylistically they're going to be a grind team. Um, you look at all their additions, everyone with the exception of Potra who forced his way in is well over six feet tall, right? Yeah. Like you're talking about JVR six foot three, six foot four, you know, Morgan geeky six, two or so. Um, you know, this is a team that I think is going to really battle uh, in, in terms of, of mucking out some goals. You know, I think they're going to be more like they're, they realize that, you know, Jim Montgomery kind of talked with me about this over the, over this past weekend that, you know, they're not going to have the puck as much, or, or that's their belief is that when yeah. you lose Bergeron and when you lose Krejci, you're not going to have the puck as much. So now this might be more about, Hey, when you do have the puck, make sure it gets to a high danger area and make sure you're capitalizing on those chances. So you just look at their forward grouping. It's a much bigger grouping than, than yeah. it typically has been in the past. So I think they're going to muck it up, but I think their backbone is their defense and their goaltending. And I think, that, you know, we've talked about it earlier is when you have McAvoy and Lindholm and Carlo and then in net, when you have the best tandem in hockey with with Allmark and Swayman, like you are going to have to basically, you know, grind it out every night, win games three to two, two to one. You're still going to win games five to two, you know, every now and then. But I don't think it's going to be your M.O. So yeah. I, I think that's the basis of their team this year. Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how they augment that approach up front. Because as you said, the the strings are still there in terms of the defense and goaltending. Uh, Brennan Carlo even mentioned like the the two one game. They're very cognizant that they're not going to have you don't have a, a Hart Trophy winner in Taylor Hall on your third line. Like you're not going to have that luxury anymore. But when you look at this team, it's not to say that I think you can fall into the the rabbit hole or it can get misconstrued when you look at all right, we're, we're signing all these guys at a six three, and you're just going to be you know grit and or anything like that but i think you look at the way the team is built it's all about even changing maybe how you generate offense right like this was a primarily still rush heavy team 
last year. Like they were even more shot selective, but still generated a lot off the rush, a lot of high end skill. You look at, you know, years past, what teams usually always do very well in the playoffs. It's those heavy four checking teams. Like you look at even like Carolina as an example, uh, I think Florida was like two or three uh, uh, in terms of the most effective four checking teams out there. Um, even Vegas was more rush heavy, but they could, they have the speed present that could kind of, they can adjust on the fly. They more or less kind of beat Florida at their own game. And I think you look at, I think the fourth line in particular is a good example of like how they're trying to, you know, get the best of both worlds of how hockey's changed. Like we know what Lucic brings, like we're well aware of that, but you look at like Beecher and, and Lauco, like those are guys that fit the mold as to like, look at these fourth lines that Vegas rolls out or like Carolina rolls out. These guys aren't, necessarily like these hulking dudes but they can get in on the puck quick can you know land some welts on the forecheck and make things happen like that and if you're able to grind those things out while also being kind of buoyed by having that high-end skill you still have a cheat code in david posternock even when things are going wrong that guy can just one time you a goal or two a game the, the way when he's really on his game even martian can do that debrus can do that so as much as there's definitely question marks in terms of how these guys can producing kind of critical areas of the role. And I'm talking about guys like Frederick and, uh, you know, Potra, obviously geeky, what he can bring Ben Reamsdyke. You still have enough guys, even as you're waiting for those things to sort themselves out, you have, you know, the physicality in place, plus that high end skill that it should be able to carry you through even those expected lows. I think we're going to see, especially offensively. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you brought up a great point right there where, where Pasternak, Marshan, DeBrusque, that's a pretty good, top six winger group like if you look at it like you have a heart trophy guy one of the best two-way forwards two-way wings in hockey who also produces at a point per game and a guy coming off a career high in goals or matching a career high in goals like that's a good grouping right and i think posterock is we've seen it now two years in a row where you can put just about anybody with him and and he's still productive and that line is still good you know he made eric hall look like vegas eric hall you you know and and he made zaka you know, have a breakout year. So I have, I have some confidence here that JVR will fit. He will fit with them. And then we see them in the finale, the preseason finale, at least the home one anyways. And it takes them 30 seconds. They score a goal. It's like, all right, you got something here maybe. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, You know, I I think that, you know, you brought up Carolina. Carolina is the model for me in in terms of you have a defense that just shoots the puck, right? Right. And what allows them to be so great is that they have these tenacious forwards who just pin you in. And then next thing you know, your defense or the opposition's defense is tired and they flub a puck out to the blue line, intercepted by one of the Canes guys who can shoot the puck and it's right. a goal. And you're like, right. it's, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. And it's kind of what the Bruins, I think, have to be. Um, it's why, you know, I'm really intrigued like you with the fourth line because Beecher, you know, we watch him. He covers so much ground with his yeah. size and his speed. He can just cover so much ground. And Loco is, you know, he's a firecracker out there. I love watching him play. And Lucic, hey, go to the front of the net. He's six foot four and two thirty. Good luck moving him. You, yeah. you know, and so that that's an example of what they got to do. They're going to have to just wear teams down and, and you know beat the bag out of them, and then have their defense be as active as they were a year ago. Uh, and, right. and this is what I think is really interesting. You know. Talking to Montgomery today, I asked, how are you going to utilize Forbert and Shattenkirk? It's a different kind of look than Forbert and Clifton. And, and he basically said, we're going to have to kind of mix and match there as we go. But the expectation is that Forbert will try to create offense and that Shattenkirk will 
try to, you know, play strong defensively at both ends. So it's, it's going to be an all hands on deck situation, but I think it does begin with what you're talking about. That four check wearing teams down. You got, they got to have that this year. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Yeah, and they're well-equipped. As you said, I think it's going to be so important for those wingers, especially in the top six, to drive play. I always kind of look, you're probably looking maybe a year or two down the road, but it, you know, Don Sweeney and the front office always have to look ahead. You have to find ways to build a sustainable contending team. And you've got the foundation in place with guys like, you know, Omar, obviously, Swayman's do a new contract, but I have to imagine that gets solved. Um, but McAvoy, Lindholm, Pasternak, all these players, and Zaka, even, even in that same spot, they're kind of, I, I view them as almost approaching the center position as like what Vegas did before they got Eichel. Like right. you can bide your time. If you have enough talent on the wings that you're, you're having your centers get pulled along with it. Like Chandler Stevenson was like a bottom six guy goes to Vegas. And all of a sudden he's a legit top six. Yeah. That guy's going to make like six and a half, $7 million this upcoming season. Like if you can get that same kind of production out of a guy like Pavel Zaka, if he's next to David Pasternak for a full year, you got one of your two biggest issues solved right there. And if, again, Potra hits or you go into this upcoming offseason with a bunch of money, you're squared away when you already have all of a sudden an effective forecheck. You've got a really strong decor. Like, you're ready to roll for, for the years ahead. And it's very funny just how I think it's only natural for people to expect the doom and gloom after this offseason where you just have had so much forward talent sapped out. But, um, no, they still look like they're equipped for the long haul. But – as we kind of look ahead, though, to this upcoming year, where do you think this Bruins team kind of falls in in, in the mix, right? I, I I have to imagine we're both thinking they're a playoff team, but like, where do you think this team falls in the hierarchy, especially in the Atlantic Division? Yeah, it's really interesting because I think we're witnessing the flip from the Atlantic being the superpower division in the East to the Metro being yeah. the superpower, you know, division in the East. So I, I think with that in mind. I have the Bruins right now as the at second place in the, in the Atlantic. And I have them there because I'm looking at Tampa. Tampa, I, I don't love the bottom of their roster for the first time in a long time. I, yeah. I, I look at that bottom of the roster. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not really seeing it there. Um, conversely, uh, they're, I mean, well, well, you know, also they are without, they are without Andre Vasilevsky now for, for two months and it's a back injury. Yeah. I don't know how many two month back injuries <laughs> there are, but Godspeed. There's that. And then in Florida, you know, I was really surprised that Florida didn't make a stronger push for a high end defenseman. They kind of yeah. nibbled, nibbled along the edges there. They got Ekman Larson. That's a project. They got Mike Riley. That's a project. They got Dmitry Kulikov. Decent, but again, not really changing a whole lot. And then you look at what's going on. They don't have Ekblad. They don't have Montour. These guys are on the shelf to begin the year. 
They lost Radko Gudis. They lost Mark Stahl. That's four of six. That's the four defensemen they played against the Bruins. They didn't play right. any other guys. It was just those four over and over and over again. Right. And they're all gone or on the shelf to begin the year. So I just think that that's a, that's a major loss for that team. Now, Paul Maurice has a way of getting defensemen to just play above their heads. He kind of always mm-hmm. has in Carolina right. and Winnipeg and, and Florida last year. But that's a legit concern, I, I think, if you're the Panthers. So, and you know, with Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, listen, I've been here. I've seen it. I've heard it a thousand times now. I got to see it before I believe it. So right now I have them at second place in the Atlantic behind Toronto. I think Toronto's going to score a bunch of goals. They're going to win a bunch of games, five to three, six to one. But, you know. Um, Babu Frick. Exactly. Dude, you know, them getting Bertuzzi is like the worst case scenario for the Bruins because we've gone over the realities and the problems of keeping Tyler Bertuzzi. We've done that for months now. He's going to score 40 goals. If he's healthy, he's scoring 40 goals playing with those guys because they're just so freaking talented that it's going to be like child's play for him going to the front of the net. Mm -hmm. They made Michael Bunting a borderline superstar. With, with like his fit there, Michael Bunting, and, and and not to disrespect him, but like you know, it's Michael Bunting, right? Tyler Bertuzzi is a much better player, higher ceiling, I, I would say. So they're going to score a bunch of goals, but I still I still think they're going to have the same problems. You know, John Klingberg is your big ad. Well, he was pretty terrible last year, so so not not really yes, not great. really putting me at ease personally. But I think they are going to win the division. The Leafs will, but I had the Bruins right behind them. I think it'll be a very competitive team. Because, you know, I've said this before, you got 45 minutes of the game taken care of with Lindholm and McAvoy out there. It's a pretty good, you know, time frame here of things that are in your control for the most part based on how last year went. So, you know, and they can lose, they can win 16 fewer games, you know, a fifth of the season and still have 100 points. So pretty, pretty notable, I think, in terms of uh, this team. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I actually, yeah, my prediction, I had them for two as well. And I think people maybe view that as being higher, viewing it through rose-colored glasses. But I think it just comes down to, as you said, you have to just break it down as to what the template is for this team. As you said, you've got two Norris-caliber guys. You've got the reigning Vesna Trophy winner who, if he regresses from his video game numbers, which <laughs> I think we can all can expect uh, at some, you know, to some degree, Jeremy Swimman's a pretty damn good goalie <laughs> in his own right, right? You've got, like, those guys set up there. Um, you know, Lindholm's a guy that, you know, I had really high up in my Norris ballot, but I think also people maybe sleep on the fact that McAvoy at his age coming off of a uh, off season where he's fully healthy, he has more room to give too. doesn't mean that he's all of a sudden going to have an 80 point year, but like he can impact the game even more, which is already scary for a guy that's, you know, arguably one of the most balanced defensemen in the league. But I think you look at, even with the question marks up front with that defense, with that goaltending, worst case, you are like, the New York Islanders from like a few years ago where you can grind out points. Maybe it isn't the most riveting product, but you can stamp your way to the playoffs. And hell, if you have really good goaltending that holds up this year in the playoffs with a really good defense, that's probably the best avenue in terms of just carving your way outlasting teams in the playoffs. But again, I think we've talked about it. Like this forward core, as much as there's so many question marks with the amount of guys like Pasternak and Marshan and DeBrusque who are proven commodities with, you know, if a guy like Potra can hit, but, even like Zaka and Coyle, like as much as I think you have to keep realistic expectations, like would it surprise you if Zaka has 60 points playing the entire year, no. stable to the hip of Like, especially if he's getting power play reps. No. And it's all about just what 
you're setting expectations. Do you need DeBrus to be a 40-goal guy? No. Do you need Frederick to be a 30-goal guy? No. But if they can take steps forward with the minutes they have, if a guy like Lauco, who had seven points in 22 games, drew 11 penalties, again, I don't think he's a 30-point guy, but if he can just build off of that, you have enough guys that can chip in. Like, if right. if friggin' Nick Ritchie can give you 15 net front goals, I think James Van Reems, like, even if he's maybe past his prime, but is still one of the best guys at the net front in the league, has built a career and a lot of money off of doing that, I think he can give you 15 net front goals as well. So, like, they have guys in place that can manufacture and can generate more than enough offense to make this still a very, very competitive team. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and I think they're going to be physical as hell. I, I think that's another thing that that maybe kind of is being underplayed nationally and locally even when talking about this team and their ceiling is I think that they are going to run through a a freaking wall for their captain, Brad Marsh. Yeah. I, was, I was talking to you know, a player the other day and, and basically asking, you know, what, what's it like with Marsh as a captain? And they said, you want to run through a wall for this guy because of the way that he competes. You yeah. see him in practice. You see him in the gym. He's the first one in. He's the last one out. Like, like it, it, it's one of these situations where I think that the players are really going to gravitate towards him. And that's not to say that Bergeron didn't do those things. But right. with Marshan, it's like an in-your-face, we are going to compete our asses off every single day kind of vibe. And I, that's that's the sense I get from this team, watching them. And, and you know, you mentioned McAvoy, right? Like, I don't know if he'll ever be the 80-point guy, but he's the guy that can put you on the tracks and change the tenor of a game. And yeah. I think that's just as important. If you can give me 55 points, but also be a physical force, I'll take that. I think I think there's something to be said for that. That that intimidation factor, that ability to flip a game on its head, I think that's really important. And I hope McCoy brings more of that because he can lay the lumber, man. Like he like he delivers some hits sometimes, and you're like, oh my goodness, where did that yeah. come from? So if, if he can do that, that'll be a, a, another you know, just another ace in their sleeve that they can pull out and say, look at how we're going to win these games now. And, and uh, with the goaltending, you know, we, we talk about the Swayman Olmark thing. The secret sauce is that they've never had both guys cold at the same time. Right. When one is hot or when one is cold, the other one is white hot. Mm-hmm. That has been the secret for the last two years that they've never had both goaltenders down at the same time. If that remains, they will be a playoff team. No yeah. doubt in my mind, they'll be a playoff team. Yeah, they can have the Patriots offense, and they might be a playoff team if both those guys are mismatched. <laughs> that's right. That's where I go too far. That, that offense is straight. Yeah, Will that Greer, is- quarterback <laughs> in the power play. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, this is bad. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, again, I think that's uh, kind of covering all the bases. Again, should be a, a very fun season uh, for the Bruins. A lot of, I think, it's encouraging to see. I think a lot of people are really excited for this year. I think it's only natural to expect a lot of doom and gloom uh, after, you know, how last year ended with the amount of guys that they turn over here. But I think it's general excitement. There's a different kind of feel to this team. There's the excitement of younger guys stepping up. And I think these guys have a lot to prove, and it should be a fun year. Um, Ty, do you want to plug anything uh, before we before we sign off here? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you can always find my stuff at 985thesportsub.com. Uh, I'll be doing that Saturday morning hockey show, some spots, some co-hosting along the way. We'll see how that goes. Um, I never know the schedule for those, so I can't, I can't tease it, you know, in advance here, but yeah, we, and then I got my podcast I do, uh, with Matt from 985, uh, sports Sub underground. So we'll be doing that as well. Uh, so yeah, we got, uh, we're, we made it. We got through the preseason, everybody. Here we go. Opening night should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And again, if you want to read any of my stuff as well, you can go uh, over to boston.com. We'll have stuff up every single day about the Bruins, Celtics, Red Sox and Patriots as well, but that kind of, they kind of <laughs> sink right now, but uh, we'll have you covered every step of the way. But again, guys, thank you for uh, tuning into the latest episode of Poke the Bear. That's Ty Anderson. I'm Connor Ryan. Thanks guys.